0: Welcome to another episode of our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Visit our website for complete collections of your favorite old-time radio series. Remember to follow us so you won't miss new releases from SolvedMystery.com. Good
1: evening. This is Crime Classics. I am Thomas Hyland with another true story of crime. Listen. This is a dream. This is a portent. This is the shape of things to come. A man dreams of walking down a vaulted and empty corridor.
2: Soldier. Soldier. Sir, who lies dead here?
3: Look for yourself, sir. Do you see who it is, sir?
1: Yes. Who is it? It is I. Tonight, my report to you on the assassination of Abraham Lincoln.
0: Crime Classics, a series of true crime stories from the records and newspapers of every land from every time. Your host each week, Mr. Thomas Hyland, connoisseur of crime, student of violence, and teller of murders. Now, once again, Mr. Thomas Highland. <laughs>
1: It was April in 1865, and it was Washington, D.C. A hero had come into the city. His name was Grant, a general of the time who, a few days before, had accepted surrender from another general of the time, whose name was Lee. So it was a time of victory celebration, of burning candles for prayer and illumination and thanksgiving, of dancing in the streets, of noises and silences, of reunion, of shrill, of tears... The sounds that mankind makes when something is won or lost forever, or returns, or perishes. That was the sound John F. Parker made as he throws a whiskey bottle against the wall of the room. (laughs) His friend was happy, too. Open another bottle, please. Sure.
4: uh... Yeah, here. Do
3: it.
4: Now, lean back
3: your head. Slow now. Trickle it. (laughs)
4: Open!
5: Open!
3: I told her downstairs I didn't want to be disturbed. Ah, Johnny,
5: Johnny, Johnny.
3: Whoever it is... I'll
5: send them away. Send them away. Go away. Go away!
4: Away. Is John. Go away. Get out of oh. my way.
3: Get up, Parker. Williams. You got no right to. Oh. Now get up. <coughs> you. Oh. You, woman. Oh.
4: What do you
3: want? Where's this stuff? There.
4: There.
3: Let's go, Parker. What for? What for? You got duty tonight. Oh, no. You're guarding
1: President Lincoln. John F. Parker, a member of the Metropolitan Police Force of Washington, the District of Columbia. John F. Parker, a rumpot. He was about 35 years old, and he was married... And the laughing lady you just heard was not his wife. He had been in the Union Army for a little while, but was dismissed from it for the good of the war effort. His record shows that he couldn't hold an assignment to any one beat for any length of time, for reasons ranging from sleeping in an alley on his beat or sleeping in a doorway on his beat. This is a man who was assigned to guard President Lincoln. How did this happen? Simply, Mrs. Lincoln wrote a
5: note. To Provost Marshal James R. O'Bairn, this is to certify that John F. Parker, a member of the Metropolitan Police, has been detailed for duty at the Executive Mansion by order of Mrs. Lincoln.
1: Why did Mrs. Lincoln write such a note? No one ever asked her, so I can't say. But we know that John F. Parker, more or less sober, appeared at the White House, and he and Mrs. Lincoln had a small chat.
5: There are rumors, of course, Mr. Parker. You must have heard them.
1: Rumors, ma'am?
5: About Mr. Lincoln.
1: About Mr. Lincoln, ma'am?
5: That there are conspirators and attempts will be made on his life.
3: Yes, ma'am. Ma'am?
5: Yes, Mr. Parker?
3: May I ask a question? Of course. Why was I selected to bodyguard Mr. Lincoln? Because... Mary...
2: Mary, prevail upon him. Prevail upon him.
5: What's the matter, Mr. Lincoln?
2: General Grant here. He's
5: changed his mind.
2: That's right, Mrs. Lincoln, I have. Prevail upon him, Mary.
5: But surely, General, the people are expecting you. All over Washington, they expect an appearance from you, and at the theater tonight... It's
2: impossible.
5: But suddenly
2: you tell us it's impossible. Why? I'm going
3: home.
5: I'm going to Burlington. But tomorrow you can go to Burlington. Tonight. General... Ma'am? Even the newspapers headline your name above Mr. Lincoln's. Surely, for such a privilege, you would not disappoint... I've been you.
3: long from home, ma'am. Yes. Yes, you have. Goodbye, Mrs. Lincoln. Mr. Lincoln.
2: Yes. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye. It troubles me. What does? So suddenly he changed his mind. Strangeness is... Mr. A... Lincoln. Yes, Mary?
5: This is your guard. His name is John Parker.
2: How do you do, sir? This is Mr. President. I did not wish to appear rude, sir, in Truth, I did not see you. This. uh, You may go, Mr. Parker. Mary.
5: What if he won't go to the theater with us? What matter? We'll ask that young couple, that Major. Major Rathbone you seem so at ease with. We'll.
2: Uh,
5: What is it, Mr. Lincoln?
2: Melancholy, worn thin. The infinite sadness. But
5: there's victory now. No, and...
2: no. Listen. You should know it, for it has lain against me for a week now, chill and dread, and I fear it.
5: What are you trying to say?
2: I dreamed, and now I must tell you of it, for I can no longer bear the coldness and heaviness of it. I dreamed, and this is what it was there seemed to be a death-like stillness about me. Then I heard subdued sobs as if a person were weeping. I thought I left my bed and wandered downstairs. There the silence was broken by the same pitiful sobbing. But the mourner wasn't visible. I arrived at the east room which I entered. There I met with a sickening surprise. Before me was a catafalque on which rested a corpse wrapped in funeral vestments. Around it were stationed soldiers who were acting as guards. Who lies dead here, I asked one of them. He bade me look for myself. And I did. And I saw that it was I who lay there. Dead by an assassin. Mary. You should not have told me of it. Mary, Mary, Mary.
5: You should not have told me of it. (coughs) Famous man you'll be.
3: Nah, Mary. And
5: we'll drink to it. Bartender, hand us back the bottle. Ah, poor me famous man.
3: <laughs> I will. <laughs> it's such a toast. It's nothing but another duty.
5: To guard a president. Now we drink to it. Everybody. Everybody.
3: Shush you, Millie.
5: John here is going to guard the proof.
3: You just sit down, Millie, and shut up. Oh, no. Just drink and shut up. No. John. What do you want?
5: How come I saw in the paper what I did? What are you talking about? Today in the newspaper.
3: About what?
5: A report on the telegraph that was in the paper. A newspaper in New York had it that Mr. Lincoln was murdered. He was murdered yesterday. What? It's the truth. What it said right in the newspaper, the president had been assassinated. That's crazy. Well, I saw it. You get a newspaper. You'll see it, too.
3: Mischief, that's what it is. Drink your drink.
1: But it was true. Several newspapers in different sections of the country had it that Mr. Lincoln had been slain, which, of course, was not so. This was late afternoon of April 14th, And Mr. Lincoln was alive, spending time with Mr. Stanton, his secretary of war, then with his valet, who attended him while he's dressed, then with Mrs. Lincoln. Mr. Lincoln was
2: alive, and in good mood. How nice you look, Mary.
5: Thank you, Mr. Lincoln. Uh, The carriage is waiting.
2: And Major Rathbone and his fiancée?
5: At Senator Harris's home. He'll pick them up.
2: The young lady is very comely.
5: Yes. We'll be late.
2: My arm... Thank you, Mr. Uh, L-
3: Parker, sir.
2: Mr. Parker. The driver knows where to go, does he not?
3: Ford's Theatre.
2: Ford's Theatre.
3: All right, driver.
1: before they reached the theater it drizzled a little then stopped and all over washington tens of thousands of candles burned backdrop for victory for celebration for remembrance backdrop for tears
0: You are listening to Crime Classics, and your host, Thomas Highland.
2: This land is
1: your land. This land is my land.
6: This land was made for you and me. Hmm, Paris in the this spring, the cardinal whistling joyously as he builds his nest in the bush, or Cairo in the fall. ...when the temperature has dropped below scorching. Faraway places with strange-sounding names... ...nope, I'm speaking of Illinois, the land of Lincoln. Oddly enough, though, Illinois is sometimes referred to as Egypt... ...because the fertility of the soil in and around Cairo... ...or Cairo, giving it the Illinois pronunciation... ...resembles that of its Egyptian namesake. But there the similarity ends riding the rock island line is considerably more comfortable than riding a camel and the iga stores the lonely grain elevators the oak groves the signs saying edna's cafe and clabber girl and chew mail pouch are familiar to us in a way the pyramids could never be oh not that illinois is lacking in the exotic chicago is testimony to that but illinois home not only of lincoln but of Grant and Clarence Darrow and Carl Sandburg and Ziegfeld and Montgomery Ward and Allen, the original Pinkerton Man, is home to us all. So reflective is it of our great nation. Celebrated in word and song, Illinois is indeed a sovereign state.
0: And now once again Thomas Hyland, and the second act of Crime Classics and his report to you on The Assassination... Of Abraham Lincoln.
1: I would like to speak to you briefly about what I consider to be a fairly uninteresting play. It's called Our American Cousin, a drama in three acts by Tom Taylor. There were characters in it with such names as Lord Dundreary, Captain De Boots, Mr. Buddycombe, and Mrs. Mount Chesington. I would like to give you an example of the kind of entertainment the play provided. One of the ladies says...
5: Why, Papa, it's a letter from my dear brother Ned. He writes from Brattleboro, Vermont, that he's quite well... and just come in from a shooting excursion with a party of crows. Splendid fellows, six feet high.
1: And Lord Dundreary answers to the effect that he is amazed to hear a bird six feet high. That they must be tremendous animals indeed... And the actress answers...
5: Oh, I see what my brother means. A tribe of injuns called crows, not birds.
1: Now, that's not very sparkling, is it? But this is the play that the president elected to see on the night of April 14th, 1865. When he entered the theater with his party, Laura Keene, the actress playing the part of Florence Trenchard, was speaking her lines in an early scene of Act One.
2: Thank you, Mr. Ford. We are always delighted to be guests of your theater.
3: Thank you very much, Mr. Ford. I'll take care of the president and the major and the ladies.
5: Where will you sit, Mr. Parker?
3: There's a chair out here in the hall for me. You won't
5: find the hall, please. Will you? Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States...
3: sit there in a rocker, Mr. President. Mrs. Lincoln, the major, and you, lady. Right there. And if anybody wants anything, I'll be right outside in the hall.
5: I thought I could catch him before I reached the house.
1: John Parker was a fidgety man, and he knew it. So, to soothe the fidgets, he had a bottle tucked away. It was a dull evening, and John Parker never liked plays anyhow. Just sit, the drone of the play. Walk around a little. Notice that a peephole had been bored into the door of the president's box, and not wonder why, nor wonder why no other boxes were occupied. Just other people enjoying themselves, not him, because it was dreary and his bottle was empty. I would like to say that five years later, John Parker was fired from the police for falling asleep under a lamppost. Not for leaving the president unguarded, which he did this night. Left the president and went to the bar across the street. What will you have, sir? Whiskey. Whiskey.
3: And the oysters, dozen. Yes, sir. Uh, blue points? Ah, yeah, blue points.
0: I'll be with you. And...
7: Not in a minute. Immediately. What about my oysters? Well, just a second, sir.
0: What can I do for you, Mr. Booth?
7: Brandy. Oh, there's another. Now. Co- Here's your money. The change is yours, Barkeep. Thank you, Mr. Booth.
1: John Wilkes Booth was 27 years old. He was an actor, had achieved some success in Shakespearean roles. A handsome man, a darling of women, a man who sported black flowing ties and an Inverness cape and an ivory-headed cane. It is interesting to note that he had been a member of the Virginia Regiment, which captured and executed John Brown. It is interesting to note, too, that his father, who was Junius Brutus Booth, was insane. John Wilkes Booth just passed John Parker and went out of the bar and into the street and walked south for four blocks to a livery stable. Here, two men waited for him. Mr. Booth, I thought you wouldn't get here. Whose name was Louis Payne.
4: I knew he'd get here. <laughs> him.
1: Whose name was Georgie Atzerote
4: Him. <laughs> Can't stop him. Not John Wilkes. Nobody can.
1: How does it go, gentlemen? Are we ready? Not him.
4: <laughs>
7: not him, Mr. Booth. <laughs> what is this? He's not going.
4: <laughs> Shut up. I'll
7: kill him if you say the word, Mr. Booth. He'll stop. Just leave him alone. He'll stop. He told me just a moment ago. He said he's not going through with it. Yes, he will. I'll kill him if you want me to. Don't lust too much for killing, Mr. <laughs> Payne. Kill those who need it. Only those.
4: Uh, not that I'm afraid me. No, no. Just
7: no. excited, is that it?
4: Not going. Not going. That's your word, word.
7: You see? Silence, I'll kill Mr. Payne. He'll ruin all of it. Little man. <laughs> <laughs> Little man, you would too. You'd ruin all of it. You know what you have to do. Have to.
4: Actually, no. No, 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 no. Ask him why. Ask Mr. Payne, Mr. Payne. But he's got no reasons. Ask him why.
7: Little man. <laughs>
4: Little man. Why? Say to you, I am at the Kirkwood House in the room. Near the man. Near the vice president. Near Andrew Johnson. Yes. Near him. I see him. Uh, Knife and gun I have. Here. Here. And in the room. In in the place. He hit on the door. uh, And when he opened the door, shoot him. Do it. or, Or the knife. No, no, I can't.
7: Of course you can.
4: In my head, I see me doing that to him, and I can't.
7: Of course you can. No, yeah, no. You see? Little man.
4: Yeah, no. Listen to him. <laughs> little man. <laughs> <No>. He's mad. <laughs> no, I... As each
7: of us is mad, Mr. Payne. <laughs> madness suckles us, and the warmth of it goes down easily. You are mad, and I, and the little man. <laughs> and he, most honestly, the little man. Are you trying to say that... that... you are insane too, Mr. Payne. Is there doubt of it? You are sworn to kill this night... Mr. Seward... Secretary of State to this country of evil men. And he... Little man... (laughs) Tonight you will be a hero. And listen, little man... When it is done... When Andrew Johnson is dead... I will give you a present. A thing that sparkles and shines... And you will love it.
4: Will it be round?
7: Round. And you will do what I tell you to do. (laughs) You see, Mr. Payne? Of course you do. Will it be wasted upon the two of you if I say... We lie deep in fair darkness. Yet, at our side... Glory. Go. Do what you must.
1: And each of them took a horse from the stable and rode away. This little man, George Atzerodt, became confused and just rode to exhaustion. And he did not kill. And Mr. Payne... He entered the home of Mr. Seward and fractured the skull of Mr. Seward's son and cut the throat of Mr. Seward, so it was feared for a time he would die. And John Wilkes' booth, he rode toward the theater, and a block from it, in a shadow pool that edged the fall of light from a street lamp, Anna Surratt waited there.
5: John Wilkes. Yes? Now the time has come now what you're going to do will be done yes you on your horse there and the fever in your heart to do this thing i cannot tell you now again not to do this thing no a burning yes i hate yes how do these things find place among all the tenderness of you i wish i knew but i cannot no oh i love you
1: And now only a small way more, one block more. And John Wilkes Booth rode it. And John Parker, bodyguard to the President of the United States, he was still in the same bar where we left him, choking down another tumbler of whiskey, drinking his way into history's oblivion. Then Booth was at the theater.
0: Abraham Lincoln, tonight's crime classic, was adapted from the original court reports and newspaper accounts by Morton Fine and David Friedkin. The music was composed and conducted by Bernard Herman, and the program is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. Thomas Hyland is portrayed on radio by Lou Merrow. In tonight's story, Herb Butterfield was heard as Lincoln, Jack Edwards as John Wilkes Booth, and Clayton Post as John Parker. Featured in the cast were Irene Tedrow, William Conrad, Mary Jane Croft, Betty Lou Gerson, Sammy Hill, Barney Phillips, Roy Glenn, and Junius Matthews. Bob Lemon speaking.
1: This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.